The Mindspo Podcast. What do you see with your mind's eyes? Welcome back. Let's elevate. Roll your shoulders up and back. Unclench your jaw. Elongate your spine as you take a deep breath in. And now, exhale. Now take your mind to that person, place, or thing that you have gratitude for and start to feel into the joy available to you at all times. Elevate into a higher vibration as we expand together and dive into this conversation. Welcome to the Mindspo Podcast. My name is Rochelle Fox, and today we are deep diving into a solo episode. And it is a solo episode where I am unpacking sober life for you. That's right, sober life. Ha, ah, let's talk about it. So, I am currently eight months and 17 days sober. It's been eight months and 17 days since I've had alcohol. And this has been a journey that I never thought would last this long. This started as an intuitive piece of guidance to, you know, explore sober life. And then it turned into a curious experiment. And now it has turned into a lifestyle that I am still very much living and looking to continue for some time. And in this podcast, I want to break down what this journey has been like, how I've been feeling, the takeaways, the challenges, the highs, the lows, and answer a whole bunch of questions that I crowdfunded from my Instagram, which is Rochelle underscore Fox, because I have been sharing little bits and pieces of this journey of sober life over on my Instagram stories. And so many people have been so curious about how it's been going. So I've that's what we're going to get into in this episode. So I think I want to start by just giving you a little bit of context as to me, my history with alcohol, and you know why I even started this journey. So to start, I have a very positive relationship with alcohol. I didn't start going on this journey or wanting to become sober because there was some kind of negative situation. I'm not an alcoholic. I didn't have any negative drinking behaviors. I've always had a very positive relationship with alcohol. And being very transparent with you at having that positive relationship with alcohol is something that I've always prided myself on as a human. Growing up, I had some very, very negative experiences with alcohol. And a lot of my trauma and PTSD has links to alcohol abuse and adults in my life that were, you know, misusing these substances. And I made a very, very clear decision when I was very, very young, I would say around five, that I was never going to have an issue with any substance. I was very, very observative when I was little and saw a lot of things. And when I was little, I actually made like a lot of decisions as a little kid about all the things that I don't want to do as an adult. (laughs) I kind of made like a guidebook for myself in my mind of like, I won't be doing that. I won't be that kind of person. I don't like this about this person. I feel like I grew up my whole entire life being very, very clear on everything that I didn't want. And that's kind of molded me into the person that I am today. So Rochelle, as you know, her hasn't got any issues with alcohol personally. Been around a lot of people with issues with alcohol, but personally don't have any issues with alcohol. So why did I start this if there wasn't an issue? Well, let's get into that. Firstly, before I get into that, I I do just want to say one thing, and that is that this conversation and this whole podcast episode, this is coming from a place of love and curiosity. One of the taglines of this podcast is that we are a place for open hearts and curious minds. And this podcast from my heart is coming from an open heart and a curious mind. If you are someone that drinks or you are someone that goes out and parties and has a really good time, 
go for it. I am loving that for you. And there is absolutely no judgment coming from my end. I never want to come across or seem as a preachy kind of spiritual person or or giving you some kind of energy that I'm better than you or look at me, I'm this and you're that. Like, absolutely not. I actually kind of really get the ick of that kind of energy so much so that I was thinking about how funny it is that one of the lines, like the tagline that I used to have for myself on my Instagram was, I'm a meditation teacher, not a saint. Like this is a tagline that Sol and I have put up on our stories for years and on our posts that we are meditation teachers, we are not saints. And that's because I have always been someone that wants to have a human experience. I am not your guru. I am not some ascended master. I am definitely not fucking enlightened. I am a human having this human experience, waking up, figuring things out, making a shitload of mistakes along the way. Like I am just a girl that has has gone through some shit that has studied a lot of stuff and really come to, you know, the place that I am through a a lot of work and a lot of curiosity and a lot of deep diving into myself and meditation and personal growth. I don't ever want to come across to you as this kind of all high and mighty person or or give you some kind of luxury kind of energy. So just know that there is going to be none of that in this podcast and know that that is definitely not my intention. And if you do drink and go out and have a good time, like right on you. I used to be doing that with you. I just haven't been doing it for eight months. So yeah, now we've got that out of the way. Let's get into why I even begun this sober thing. So like I said, no problem with alcohol. Also used to be the chick that said she was a meditation teacher, not a saint, all for having a good time. Basically, what happened for me was in July 2022, I was seven weeks out from doing my first Bali self-love retreat back since the pandemic. If you didn't know, Mindspo is not just a podcast and a personal growth school. We also are a retreats company and I have created a many retreat experiences, but our signature retreat experience is called the Bali self-love retreat. And this is a retreat experience that I've run for years and myself and now other facilitators run it. And it has been a a rite of passage that I designed that is really the experience and the retreat and the program that I wish I had at the beginning of my own spiritual journey. And one thing that has always been missing from this retreat experience, it's not missing anymore, but back in July, 2022, one thing that was still missing was a guide. Now, when you go on a retreat, you don't normally get like a book or a guide. It's normally just the experience that you go on and you write notes and journal along the way. But because of the nature of my Bali self-love retreat, and because we've done so many these now. This has really turned into a program. It's not changing. It is really the same thing every single time that we do it. And it gets better and better because we keep getting better and better doing the experience, obviously, through learning and growing and evolving this thing to to be all that it can be. And I've always dreamt and had this visualization of having a big, fat, juicy, sexy guidebook. So when you come on this Bali self-love retreat, you get this guidebook that takes you through all of the lessons, all of the workshops, all of the things that you are learning. So you don't have to write them all down, that you have them there in the book. So when you go back home, you can go back to this book and then have all of the work there so you can go back to it in any moment. And this was something that I really wanted to create. So in July, 2022, Like I said, I was seven weeks out from doing my first Bali self-love retreat back since the pandemic and the book that I had been visualizing for years wasn't written. And I was like, shit, I have seven weeks to write this book. And I started getting really stressed because I was thinking,
thinking, you know what, it has been around two years since I've done this retreat because the pandemic, we haven't been running them. I've got to remember all of my work. I've got to set it all up. How am I going to write this book? It's not just like a a, a book. It's like an, a whole manual and it has a certain energy and there's so much I need to put in there and I want this and that. And I was just getting very overwhelmed. And as I was getting overwhelmed, the voice came to me. Now, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you would have heard me talk about the voice. I mentioned this actually in my first ever podcast episode, which is really my journey and my story of pain to purpose. If you're new here, I highly recommend going back and listening to that. I feel like it gives a lot of context to who I am as a person, who my partner soul is as a person, why we started MindSpo, my mental health journey, all that stuff. This voice the voice. <laughs> the voice has come to me many times in my life. This is the voice of my higher self, my intuition, my guides, the universe, the divine source, whatever you want to call it. It's the voice. And this voice comes to me very, very clearly. <laughs> yeah, that's the word I want to use. Very clearly. When it comes, it's loud, it's clear, it's just very instructional. And it just tells me, you know, it's just straight. It's not mysterious at all. And I hear it as like a, a physically loud voice inside my head. And it's always kind of a little bit of a rude awakening, like, oh shit, you're back. Hi, this must be important. I'll, I'll shut up and listen. So the voice came to me and it said, Rochelle, in order to write this barley and self-love healing within seven weeks, you will be sober you need to stop drinking alcohol. And I was like, okay, thanks for that. I'm in Bali. My friends are going out drinking cocktails all the time. I've just moved to Uluwatu, which is this like really beautiful spot in Bali where there's like beach bars. I was like, you know, God, go sober for seven weeks to write this manual. Okay. Thanks for the instructions. And I remember actually when I heard it, I was a little bit taken back because usually the voice is kind of telling me what to do, not necessarily what not to do. So this was kind of, I think when I really think back, this is the first time it's told me not to do something. It's like, stop this. So I took the guidance of the voice and I stopped drinking alcohol because that's what I do when the voice turns up. I just listen and I follow. And The stress that I said to you that I had before of writing this manual in seven weeks disappeared because as soon as I made the decision to stop drinking alcohol, the goal, the the vision, everything just started to fall into place. And within around a week and a half of not drinking, because back then I was going out and drinking, you know, every few nights to have like a cocktail, not getting drunk, but, you know, just having a cocktail here and there after a week of, you know, not a week and a half of not drinking and I started writing the lessons, the workbook, the whole entire thing just flew through me. It was, it was amazing. It it was, it was just so divine. I'm sitting there on my laptop where three weeks ago, when I thought I had to start writing this thing, I've got mad writer's block. And now it is just pouring out of me like you wouldn't believe. And I got that self-love and healing manual done within about three and a half weeks and got it all written and illustrated and printed and done. And I was so freaking proud of myself. So I finished the self-love and healing manual and there's a few weeks left until the retreat. And I decided just to stay sober because my self-love retreats are actually sober experiences, which really makes sense when you think about the voice telling me to stop drinking, to write the manual for the sober retreat, because it wouldn't really make sense if the person who is hosting or facilitating or creating the program for a sober experience is drinking while creating the program. But I was decided just to stay sober for those next few weeks until the self-love retreat. So I go seven weeks, no drinking. Everything's great. 
I feel clear. I feel accomplished. I'm happy. I've got this thing done. Life is starting to feel really good. And here's the thing. You're probably wondering, okay, but did you have cravings? What was it like? Are you, you know, what was it like quitting? During those first seven weeks, there weren't really any cravings or kind of like freak outs about not drinking. I had a clear goal. I had a mission. I was focused on my purpose and really getting this manual done for other people. I just kind of moved to this other mode of, okay, it's time for me to do the work. It's time for me to facilitate people's transformations. So I was very motivated. But then... I do my self-love retreat, obviously sober during it. The self-love retreat goes off amazing. The manual is life-changing. It's upgraded the whole entire retreat experience. I don't know how we ever ran the retreats without the manual. The manual turns out to be a 90-page, like sexy, fat manual, and everyone just loves it. I get to the end of the retreat. I'm on a high. Woo, retreat's over. Incredible. And then a really beautiful manifestation happened. I actually run into some fellow app founders that I find really, really inspiring that are also in the wellness space. And they happen to be in Bali and they are having a really big night out at El Cabron. Now, El Cabron is this like bougie cliffside restaurant right near my house in Uluwatu, Bali. And they had like booked a table and bottles and they're like, come celebrate with us. They're, they're they're celebrating like filming and their milestones and their business. And this was like a complete manifestation to me because I'd been following these people for ages. And I was like, okay, amazing. I'm going to go out and have this wild night at El Cabron and catch up with all these people that I've only really just known through the online space. And this is going to be amazing. And I've you know been sober for seven weeks. So like, I'll go out and like have a wild night. So I did that. I went out and had a wild night and had the best time. I dancing around and with my Moe and Chandon, like gold glass and spinning around in the sunset and having deep conversations. I think we ended up staying up and at their villa to like 3 a.m. or something like that. It was just one of those like magical nights that you're like, oh my gosh, I was just the absolute best. I wake up the next day, however, and the magic is gone. I have the hangover of all hangovers. And when I say this hangover was the hangover of all hangovers, like this was the hangover of all hangovers. I don't know if it was because I just got extra lit that night or it was because I had been sober for seven weeks before that, but this was pretty shocking. And I remember thinking to myself, damn, this is pretty intense. Like I I don't know if this is worth it. And look, it definitely was worth it. <laughs> that night was amazing. And the people that I was hanging out with it were epic. And if it wasn't with them, it probably wouldn't have been worth it. But like I had the best time and there were great memories. But it was really like a wake up call the next morning. And it was from that moment that I kind of decided that, you know what, I, I want to keep seeing what this sober like thing is, because I just did these seven weeks and that the seven weeks that I just did was super easy. And now I, I'm feeling like really, really off and not in alignment. And I don't want to feel like this. I, I want to feel clear. So that's when the sober journey that I'm on right now started. And I haven't drunk since that night. And it has been not as easy <laughs> as the first seven weeks. And I think that's a really interesting point because I do feel like the first seven weeks that I was sober for in this journey was really easy. It was aligned. It was clear. It was just, I have a mission. I'm going to do this thing. I I'm just following the guidance of my higher self. I'm going to stay sober. I'm not really questioning it. But since the, the time that I stopped, it kind of restarted it and have now been doing it, the seven weeks after that first big night out drinking, they 
were a lot harder. I was definitely craving alcohol. Even like the first few nights after that night, I was contemplating, you know, every night that we'd go out for dinner, I'm like, oh, should I just get a glass of wine? Like it would make me feel so much better. And I think the interesting thing to say is that after that one big night out drinking, I really felt like the fogginess and the effect of that. For three days, I felt like the physical, like my body wasn't functioning the best it normally does, like kind of digestions off, you know, feeling dehydrated, bit of a headache, like serious kind of hangover things that kind of stuck with me for three days. But like the mental fogginess stayed with me for like I would say seven or 14 days. Like it took me like around seven or 14 days just to kind of feel like I was back to baseline. And then I would say it took like 30 days for me to actually start to feel like really, really clear again, to start to feel how I felt at the end of those seven weeks. And in that lead up time, I, I had all these kind of feelings of like, oh, maybe I should drink. Oh, is it worth it? Like, was was it just a one-off thing that I did that seven weeks for? Do I have to keep doing it? Like, I was really questioning myself, but obviously I've, I've stuck at it. So I want to really get into like some of the questions people have been asking and to just answer a bunch of things that are probably on your mind. So the first one that I want to answer is, did I have cravings to drink? Yes, definitely. I did have cravings to drink. When I first stopped, like I said, the first few days after stopping after that wild night, I definitely was craving it as a way to kind of relieve the hangover of the really bad hangover. Like I thought that like having another drink would just make me feel better, which we know isn't the case. Then I definitely have had cravings in the first few months of like social cravings. So I guess being in events or going to restaurants or going out with friends where I feel like everyone else is on a different wavelength to me or they're on a different kind of vibe. There have been moments where I've been like, oh God, maybe I should just have like one to kind of like make this easier because everyone's like really drunk and I'm having trouble like communicating and connecting with people. So I've had cravings then. I would say though, those sorts of cravings really sort of left me after the three month mark. And then from the three month mark on, I noticed that my only cravings for alcohol and really the only cravings that I get intensely for alcohol as like a substance is actually when I myself are in a low vibration. So when I'm having a hard day or if I've just gone through something challenging in work or in business or, you know, in my relationship or with a friend, or if I just have something come up, that's just like pissing me off and I want to like move past it. That is when I crave a glass of wine. That is when I crave going out and to having like having a few cocktails. That is when the craving for alcohol happens. It's never when now after the three month mark, it's never been when I'm in like a high vibratory state. Like now I can go out and be around people drinking and I'm fine. Like I'm not craving it. But if I'm in like a low vibratory state, if I'm feeling a little bit off within myself, that's when I crave alcohol. And I think the thing that I find that's really interesting about that is that I'm starting to learn that alcohol is something that I definitely used to use, even though I didn't have a problem with alcohol. It was something that I lent on in order to help me process emotions. And I don't think it ever helped me process an emotion, but it helped me suppress the emotion. So I would look to alcohol and to have a drink as a way to kind of numb out how I was feeling, kind of to subdue whatever was going on. And that has been a feeling of like when I'm craving alcohol. And I think that what's interesting about this is alcohol isn't a high vibratory substance. It is a depressant. Like that's not me just being negative about alcohol. That's just, it is what it is. And 
it's basically when I'm feeling low, that's when I feel like having this substance. And that's been really, really interesting because I've been on this journey of having to face things that I realized for years that were just like little niggly, uncomfortable feelings or little uncomfortable situations that I would normally kind of suppress with a glass of wine or two or a vodka soda. And instead I've sat with those feelings now since I've been sober. And what I've done is when those things come up, I go and do breath work. I go and sit and do breath work. I do somatic work or I go for a walk or I do something to move the energy through my body. Whereas in the past, I would have a glass of wine and I would suppress the energy and push it down. So that has been really interesting. And I now only really crave alcohol when I'm in like a low vibratory state. That said, the only other time now in the last few weeks that I've been craving alcohol is I've started traveling again, right? So I'm now in Europe and Europe is the land of a glass of wine at sunset. And there have been some instances while I've been in Europe where I have craved alcohol for the experience. Now I am someone that is like so doing things in life for the experience. Like I'm all about like living for the experience, like doing things for like the the character development. And there's been a moment like when I, we were in Cyprus, it was the end of our retreat. Sol and I and our friend Stefan was, we were all out at this restaurant and Sol and Stefan had like an ouzo. And I was like, oh, it would be so nice to have like a glass of wine with the boys right now. And just like, cheers the fact that we like ran this like 30 person retreat. Like that would be like such a nice experience. Mind you, it was a sober retreat. I I had like a craving then. Being in Germany right now, (laughs) Germany is the land of beer. Walking through the town, Seoul's like a hometown the other day. You know, there was a pub and everyone was out like having a glass of wine and having a hugo, which is like my favorite German drink. And I was like, oh gosh, it would be so nice to like sit down with Seoul and like have a date night and, and, you know, just to have like a few drinks and just take the load off. And that would just be like an experience, like, you know, to have a sunset German hugo in a beer garden. So I've craved it while traveling for the experience or for the kind of like the moment or the memory, but not for anything else, if that makes sense. It's not because I'm feeling socially anxious or anything like that. It's more just like the experience. However, before traveling, the only time that I've really been craving alcohol, like I said, past the three month point was when I was in a low vibe state. Now let's talk about social struggles because this is one that comes up a lot. Have I been struggling socially with this? No, I haven't. And people might be like, oh, that's that's surprising. It's funny. I'm at this point in my life where I'm very, very clear on who I am as a person. I know who I am. I like who I am. I, I know what I want in my life. And I'm not really swayed by other people. I live a very unconventional life. I don't really give a fuck about what other people think about what I do with my life. My life is my life and I really fucking enjoy it. And I think that I don't really struggle with people having an opinion about me not drinking because I think I'm in a position where most people don't really kind of give me their opinion about me not drinking. Most people are generally just curious and I'm really lucky or I have been very intentional about being around really good people. I'm not in a crowd of people that are peer pressuring me or trying to get me to have one drink. That's just not my reality. That said, I, I can completely fill into how other people could be in a reality like that. And I think that that is definitely something that a lot of people experience on this journey. If anything, people are very curious when I say that I'm not drinking and they want to know why and they're interested. And I feel like the one thing that I've noticed as well, and I want to say to anyone that wants to explore sobriety and and not drinking is 
as long as you don't come to people with this like preachy, like, oh my God, look at me, I'm not drinking energy. People, what they want to know, they're like, oh, interesting. Like, how long have you done that for? What have you noticed? How is it feeling? People generally are wanting to make conversation about it. And as long as you're not there being like, I don't drink and it's really bad for you and giving them a lecture, then most people are just going to be curious and they'll want to know your experience with this. Because I I think a lot of people are waking up to, you know, exploring this way of life. So yeah, I I haven't really noticed many social struggles, but I do think a lot of people do experience this. And I think I'm just kind of in a point in my life where maybe if there was a social struggle, I gave so little of a fuck about it that it didn't even fly on my radar. Another question I saw a lot is how do you navigate a relationship when you are sober and maybe your partner drinks? I think this is a challenging one depending on the relationship. Look, Sol was sober with me for the first six months of this and he was really loving it and enjoying it. And he's only had like a drink on like a handful of occasions since then. So I think he stopped being sober around like six months and then now he's just drinking like very sparingly. It hasn't been an issue because... I just love and accept him for who he is and what he wants to do. And he doesn't have like a a negative relationship with alcohol. Like he has a very positive relationship with alcohol. So if he wants to go out and have a few drinks, then right on. Like I'm full in support of him doing that. He hasn't gotten drunk, I would say, around me or anything like that. It's more that the times that Sol has gone and had a few drinks, it's been with like mates or friends to celebrate like a certain special occasion or something. So I think I'm in a pretty lucky situation with that. I haven't really had to navigate a kind of difficult situation. The thing I would say with any relationship is conscious communication and really being clear on why you're doing what you're doing and how it's important to you and asking your partner to support you in that in whatever way they can. I think that you have to really accept people as they are in relationships and surrender that they are their own people. And I think sometimes this is very difficult and challenging. I still have challenges with this with my own relationship. Going on 12 years, there are things that frustrate me about Chris or about our relationship or about things that he does that I have to just love and accept him for. And I wish I could change or shift, but then I have to realize that he is his own person and he will do whatever he wants to do and I can't control him. So you have to learn to just let people do them and you do you and just be clear on who you are and you know not try and control another person i think that's my biggest advice there a question i got in my dms that i really loved is what do i miss about induced states if anything What I miss about induced states is changing the channel. I do miss this and it's actually something I've been kind of navigating now at the eighth month mark. I've realized that the thing about not drinking is that all the activities, all the things that, you know, are kind of other state changing, inducing things like breath work or shamanic dance or deep meditation. Like these are all things that are work for me because they're all things that are in my like work wellness, like what I do for a living kind of space. So sometimes I'm finding 
this challenge to switch off. I do definitely feel like in the past I've used going out for a few drinks as a way to stop thinking about work and to switch off from work. And I love my work so much. Like I am so passionate about what I do that when I'm in like a clear state, like this is generally all I think about. Like I'm, I'm constantly getting ideas. I'm constantly getting thoughts. Like I don't have like boundaries really around my work where I'm like, I, I will not think about work now because I am the embodiment of my work. I'm always living and breathing it. Like it is like so part of me. So it's not like I have a job in the office where I I do a certain amount of tasks or I I do a like work on a certain topic and then I come home and then like I just switch off. Like this is it, it's it's just like everything, if that makes sense. Maybe that doesn't make sense. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but my work is really just like all of me and when I used to drink, I definitely feel like that would help me like switch the channel and, and switch off and kind of like change modes. And I, I miss that. I, I do miss that because even the other day when I was saying up to the soul, I'm going to record this podcast, we were talking about what's changed. And something that we realized is we don't do date night anymore. Like ever since I stopped drinking, we do not do date, date night because date night was really like cocktail night, if we're honest with ourselves. And I like going out for a meal and going out and doing doing that kind of stuff, but we just really haven't been doing it since I stopped drinking. Does that mean that we haven't been hanging out and spending time together? Heck no. We spend time together all the time. We've been going for walks together and exercising more and being more active together, but we haven't been doing date night. And when we go and do walks or we're active together, generally we're, we're brainstorming, we're thinking, we're coming up with ideas, we're thinking about the newest thing to put on Manifesty and Mindspo and the new retreat concept. And like we're, we're so hyped up on life that we're always just flowing and so in this like entrepreneur kind of like jammy space that not drinking has kind of caused me to always be available for this like clarity and always having that clarity means that like the ideas are always there things are always coming and I, I do have trouble switching them off obviously I meditate and I'm able to direct my thoughts and calm myself down and and have that stillness within but that stillness creates so much like clarity and, and so much ability for things to download into my head. So I, I feel like I've become like a, a channel on super speed ever since I stopped drinking. I, I'm the clearest I've ever been. I'm the most intuitive I've ever been. I'm the most tapped on I've ever been. I, I'm just high on fucking life and it's great. But sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, like it's a lot. It doesn't kind of stop. So that's been really, really interesting. Something a lot of people keep asking me is, would I just have one on the odd occasion? No, I haven't had one on the odd occasion. And no, I'm not going to have one on the odd occasion. And I think this gets into how long this whole experiment is going to go for. And I'm going to keep doing this for a year. So I am, like I said, I'm at eight months and 17 days or whatever it is, and I'm going to keep it going for a year. And I never thought when I started this that this would be like a year long thing. But the longer I go, the more I feel I am, I'm on the right path. I'm on the right path. I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. This is so aligned with 
where I'm at right now in life. And it's funny because if I really ask myself, like this podcast, for example, this podcast is something that I have wanted to do for years and years and years and years, but I didn't, I didn't do it for years. I had the intuitive nudge. I was very, very, you know, clear that this was something that had to come through me, but I wasn't doing it. And when I asked myself why I wasn't doing it, it was because I didn't believe I could be consistent in on doing this podcast. And now we're up to podcast 12 or podcast 13 or whatever it is. And I've been consistently bringing out two podcast episodes a week at the exact same time, every single week, like clockwork. And I've been able to have that consistency because of this clarity from not drinking. And I feel like where I'm at right now, it's like, I am just, I'm just in such a, such an aligned, like kind of clear path of like, I know what I meant to do. I know how I I meant to do it. Now I just need to sit down and get it done and, and keep allowing this energy to flow through me. And I, I just want to keep this up and I, I want to keep going and see how long I can keep it going for. And I think the weird thing is like, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to have like a problem with keeping it going now. Like I've really proven to myself over these last eight months that I can do this. I'm disciplined. I have the ability to say no. And I think what's so interesting about that is the connection between sobriety or being sober and spirituality. I started this podcast by like saying to you, like I'm a meditation teacher, not a saint. Like I'm not some ascendant master or anything like that. And I don't think spirituality has a look, but I do think spirituality and your connection to spirit can be greatly supported and facilitated and nurtured by being sober. And that's been really interesting because I I didn't realize the the shift that would happen within me from a spiritual connected level from going on this journey. I didn't realize how clear my head could be. Like this level of clarity, this level of intuition, this level of connection, this is new to me. And I, I feel like I've always been, since I started meditating, like a pretty tapped in clear person, but not drinking has just like changed that like tenfold. Like I'm so clear now. And I, I think about things differently. I process things differently. I'm able to handle a lot more. My mood, oh my gosh, my mood and and my my vibration is so much more consistent. I'm not kind of going on this up and down and up and down. Like it's just clear. It's straight. I wake up and my, my feelings, my emotions, like everything is so much more consistent. Like I feel so much more happy and centered and alive as a human being. And I don't have this kind of up and down like wave that used to happen. And that's been really, really interesting. In the last eight months, I've experienced so much less anxiety. And I, I wouldn't say that I was a super anxious person before that, I feel like meditation has helped me so much with my anxiety, but like now I'm really like not experiencing any anxiety unless it's for like some kind of big thing coming up that I'm like really nervous about, like social anxiety, weirdness, awkwardness, Sunday scaries, like anxiety, like the day after drinking, I definitely would get that. Like that was something I I did used to experience if I'm honest with myself. I think all of the anxiety that I experienced before this was not anxiety within me. It was just anxiety from like coming off drinking or coming off having a big night out. So yeah, I'm clearer and happier and more energetic and I would say healthier than I have ever been. There have been so many benefits and so many like positive side effects. So I I feel like right now I need to talk about the negatives because I I sound like I'm preaching and that's not what I'm trying to do, but I, I haven't really experienced that many negatives, which has been kind of hard. I, I wrote this in a post like the other month and it was... I think I said something along the lines of like, I didn't want to like this so much. 
Like I really didn't. I when I started this, I didn't want to like this so much. Like I I wanted to be like, yeah, it's cool, but it's hard and I don't like it and I feel disconnected. And it's been the exact opposite experience for me. I feel so connected. And maybe there are people that I would be more connected with if I drunk, but I'm way more connected to myself and that connection to myself has been filling me up more than any other connection I could hope for. And that's been so beautiful. I really wanted to not like this as much as I have. I just, I really wanted to to find more issues with it, more problems, more, more reasons to stop. But I really, in this journey so far, and I've only found more reasons to keep going. So I have set myself the marker in the sand of a year. This feels like a good amount of time to do this experiment for. This feels like a bit of an achievement as well. I definitely felt like I really needed a, a, some kind of stop point. Maybe when I got into like the seven months, six months in, I was like, okay, are we doing a year? Are we not doing a year? Was it six months? Like I just needed that kind of guideline. Being sober, there are so many things that I, I get excited about doing and like especially writing and, and talking and this podcast and creating content. Like I've never been so excited to do this sort of work because I, I feel like like I'm always ready to do it. There isn't really a time where I feel like a little bit off or I need a few days recovery or not this week. It's like, no, I'm ready. I'm on. So yeah, I'm going to keep going for a year. And then at a year, I will see how I'm feeling. I definitely am going to be someone that wants to experiment what it is like to drink again, because I want to use myself and use this channel and this platform that I've been given as a way to help people move through and understand life better. And to be curious about things. And I think one of the best ways I can do that is to get curious about things myself. Like I would love to know if I can just drink every now and then and still have the amount of clarity that I have, or is this amount of clarity really only available when I completely don't drink at all? I'm really curious to find out and see. I'm also curious to see if that when I do start drinking again, am I going to make more connections with more people? Am I going to widen my social circle a little bit more? When I'm planning to start drinking again is actually when I'm probably going to be in Sydney for summer. So yeah, that'll be that'll be fun because we'll, we'll see if that helps me connect with people over there. Who knows? Who knows? I might get to a year and I might be like, you know what? I'm not drinking. I'm done. I'm over it. You never know. But I think one thing that I've always said about myself is I'm not an extremist. I'm someone that is just curious and open and is just always trying to see how things go. And I'm always very open to change and open to shifts and curious to see how things work out. So that is my journey so far. I know there was just a lot in there, but that's just how I'm feeling about it all. I'd love to know how you are going with your own journey in life with this topic. Is sobriety something that you're interested in? Have you ever gone sober? Are you sober right now? Do you feel like going sober after this episode? Let me know. Connect with me. I'll put up a post as well when this episode goes out and I can't wait to hear about your own journey with this topic because it's something that I think affects all of us. And the one thing I'll say that has been like a bigger harm in my life is I've been really living by this quote, which is, I know what will happen if I do, but I don't know what will happen if I don't. So a lot of the time in life, I look at certain situations and I'm like, I know what will happen if I keep doing this thing, if I stay in this place, or if I stay friends with this person, or if I choose this path, like I know what will happen if I do that. But 
I don't know what will happen if I do this other thing, if I change direction or if I you know, make another choice. And I feel like I know what will happen when I start drinking again. You know, I've been drinking for years. Like I, I know what that life is like. It's life. Now, not drinking, this has been a chapter that's full of mysteries. Like it keeps changing. It keeps evolving. It's constantly surprising me. So I'm all about trying a new path and seeing what unfolds and staying curious and staying open along the way. So I'm sending you so much love. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to do more solo episodes in the future to be completely transparent with you. These ones always like make me feel so nervous when I do them because I'm like, I'm having a conversation with myself. (laughs) This feels so weird, but it's so nice to know that you're there listening wherever you are in whatever space you're at. So I'm sending you so much love, a big virtual hug from me, and I will see you in the next one. Thank you for joining me for this episode. You can discover more from Mindspo on Instagram and TikTok by following at Mindspo and myself at Rochelle underscore Fox. If this episode inspired you, then please pass it on and share the love. And if you're new to our world and you want to elevate your mind and step into your best self, then be sure to download our app Manifesty from the App Store and take advantage of the free trial. With Manifesty, you can create your own vision board movies, practice powerful meditations, and set affirmation reminders so your phone supports your journey towards that abundant vision of your future. And lastly, always remember, you create your own reality. So go and make some magic. Thank you.